Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie. Probably uh, up for the shortest episode we've ever had. <laughs> As we could not choose a shared book two weeks ago, and we have not found one in the meantime. Yeah, and, and you hate the bellyache and complain, but it's been an enormously complicated time. A lot of balls in the air, a lot of stuff going on. Lots of craziness that we hope has finally calmed down. So, and, and I know we've both been working on some big monster books, which, you know, will slow you down too, but. And you'll hear more about those, hopefully, in the upcoming weeks as mm-hmm. we may trade those and, and each read the others. But anyway, this has been, like, like I've never had this few books to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not much ahead of you. So, yeah. um, I only have two. In two weeks, I read two books. But like you said, one of those was huge and amazing. Anyway. Here, the first one I read was called The X-Hex by Erin Sterling. Um, I really, really wanted to read this one in time for Halloween, and I just got it done. I finished it on October the 24th. Um, it was a the story of um, a witch in a small town in Georgia who <laughs> whose boyfriend breaks up with her, and she curses him. And then he disappears from the town. But when he shows back up, The curse is still on him, and um, it's not so easy to remove as it was to cast. And um, when I first started this book, I really kind of thought it was just going to be silly. But then it was just enormously entertaining and a whole lot of fun and really just a perfect Halloween book for somebody who does not like horror nonsense. (laughs) So it was um, really very atmospheric. And even though Halloween is past, if you're looking for something that's kind of a fun fall novel, this might be one for you. It was was really fun. Then the other one was one that I've been waiting for, for what feels like years, um, definitely all of this year. It's called The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. He wrote A Gentleman in Moscow, who, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. It was one of the first books during the pandemic that I reread. One of the first things that I went back to my shelf and was like, I've always wanted the time to read this one again. Um, he's such a brilliant writer. I think he only has three novels, The Rules of Civility, Gentleman in Moscow, and um, this one, The Lincoln Highway. And I have read them all. I think they're amazing. Um Gentleman in Moscow has been one of my top books from the past several years, and this one is joining it. It is an epic novel. Um, I think it's really funny. We talked about Cloud Cuckoo Land mm-hmm. last time and how you know it kind of imitates the Greek mythology. It, it centers on a story from Greek mythology. Yeah. And The Lincoln Highway um, is an epic in the style of Greek mythology set in like the 1950s. So... Really cool. Twists and turns everywhere. The big different, the big thing for me that made this one take me a long time, besides the fact that it was like 600 pages, um, was the fact that I really invested in some of these characters. And so their travails were very, very difficult <laughs> to read through sometimes um, because I just wanted everything to be perfect for them all the time. It's the story of Emmett who um, has been sent to a juvenile work camp for uh, accidental manslaughter. When he comes home after his father has died, their mother left years ago, he comes home after his father's funeral to pick up his um, nine-year-old brother, Billy, and then set out for the new life he has imagined for them. But after the dust settles behind the warden on his way out, he discovers that um, two of his acquaintances from the work farm have stowed away in the trunk of the warden's car, and they have an entirely different direction that they think that Emmett needs to take. 
fascinating story. And spoiler alert, you're going to read it. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I mean, that's not me ordering you. We've talked about it. It's one you're definitely interested oh, in it reading. it sounds really good. And it kind of hinges on um, our own mythological characters like Lincoln. So um, really, really great book. It's another one that's going to reward re-reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, one that Lord, I, reading, yeah. yes, it's one I really cannot wait to talk about with you. Okay, that's it for me. So I'm going to be on topic. I've got a book that covers characters who have. I know that's the first thing I thought of when I said that. Yeah, speech issues <laughs> and and then the supernatural. I'll, I'll start there with a book called Up Jump the Devil. The Real Life of Robert Johnson. This is the one I said you couldn't talk much about because it's about Robert Johnson. Going to talk about it the whole time. That's oh all my I've got. gosh. Bruce Conforth and Gail Dean Wardlow. I read a lot about Robert Johnson. I yes, feel like do. I've talked about one of the other Johnson books already on this podcast. I've got four or five over there, which is hilarious because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who the entire some knowledge of his life would often feel about a page. I think uh, that that's why it makes me crazy that there are like all these books about this guy, but nobody really knows anything. So it's well, just a bunch of people talking. And I will give this book credit. I think this was probably the most complete Johnson book I've read. Uh, it was one of the longer ones, but they had really done their homework. For instance, they got to the bottom of the, the myth. The story's always told that he would turn to the corner. He would not play when he recorded in the studio for the eyes of other people. And the pedestrian explanation is he didn't want people to steal his his blues tricks. The supernatural explanation, of course, is that his skills came from the devil and thus he couldn't show them to mere mortals. Um, but the whole thing's made up. It's all a half-truth based on a day when apparently he played to the corner because the acoustics were better playing to the corner and that was the whole point. But they, they uh, untangled that one. Uh, they were pretty definitive about where he's buried, which is also impressive because there are a couple of spots that have their claims that he's actually buried there. Nobody seems to be real sure. Uh, it's a good book. If you're interested in learning more about the guy, uh, it's probably the most complete all-around book uh, about him that I've read yet. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm probably good for a little while on the Robert Johnson front. I do not believe that, but that's okay. Well, we've always got the music. <laughs> Went into the see the nine year old listening to him the other day. That was a blessed day. So. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Uh, you know, I try to tell him you like this rap stuff. Let me tell you, it starts with Robert Johnson. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it really does. Uh, second book and a, a departure from form for me. As you wish, inconceivable tales from the making of the Princess Bride. And you read this because it's been um, only recently that I sat down with the kids to watch the Princess Bride, and yes. you joined us, and you had never seen it right. before. Was was something I had always heard about, and you mentioned it, and I was like, "Hey, I haven't seen that," uh, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. As was this book. It's by Carrie Elwes who is Wesley in The Princess Bride. You told me some of the stories from this, and I just thought this sounded really cool. Well, two bonuses here. One, so many stories. Two, it's set up kind of like an oral history, and the bonus here was that I did the audiobook. So guess what? He got Billy Crystal and Rob <laughs> Reiner and all of these people to voice their comments so you get to hear them tell their stories that is really cool. and carrie reads the book itself so he's telling his thoughts so a very cool way to do it if you have any interest in the movie you'll really enjoy the book if like me until pretty recently you've never seen the movie check it out it's a fun light-hearted movie 
Uh, I had seen Carrie Elwes in Robin Hood Men in Tights, which follows some of the same people and some of the same kind of, you know, sophomoric jokes uh, to create a, a fun movie. But that's a movie that I've always loved. I haven't seen it in years. What was your favorite story that he told in this book? Oh, my gosh. There were, I mean, there were, don't give any movie spoilers, but... No, I, I, I think it might be the time that he hurt himself and, and like, worried that he would get fired because he was <laughs> riding Andre the Giant's ATV around and somehow <laughs> injured his foot. I mean, if you had that on your life bingo card, uh, I think you just won. Actor <laughs> hurts his foot driving an ATV that belongs to Andre the Giant. I mean... <laughs> Again, if you don't know anything about this movie, I probably hooked you right there. But uh, (laughs) it it was a lot of fun. Very good. Um, The other two, perhaps less fun, but important. The Last Hero, A Life of Henry Aaron by Howard Bryant. Uh, I do read a fair amount of biography. I tend to be kind of ambivalent about them because I don't feel they do always a fair or a good job of rounding their subject. Uh, They want to be too critical or they want to just gloss over any, well quite any, often if it's somebody who is still alive or is only recently gone yeah. the only people willing to speak are the ones who want to criticize right right and, and this book was written while Aaron was alive he is of course just recently dead uh, but Howard Bryan is an excellent writer and I thought this was a phenomenal biography Bryan is African-American and so he deals with care and nuance to some of the social issues and the overarching political issues that made Hank Aaron, who he is. I mean, he's the home run king, but he's also the guy who got hate mail uh, from people who didn't want him to break Babe Ruth's record because he had the audacity to be black. Um, the, the, the overview of the book, if you want it in a few sentences, there's a song out there by a group called The Baseball Project, who are a group of rock musicians who are big baseball nerds, and they did a song on one of their albums called They Don't Know Henry. And that would be it. They really had, they had obviously, the guy who wrote this song had obviously read this biography because nobody who knew Hank Aaron called him Hank. They called him Henry. And it was like they were two different people. Hank was the public face. Henry was the man. Hmm. And and a fascinating divide between the two. Uh, Not a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. I, I think... Hank Aaron was a fairly well, straight up by the you, book kind of guy, but two different lives. If you were a public lives. person, you would have to have that to have yeah. any sort of reality. As he did. And uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. One of the better baseball books I've read, although as I say that, I'm thinking about Joe Posnanski's The Baseball 100. Right. You'll get to that another week. Which we will week, definitely get to. Yeah. What else have you read? That one was No Time Like the Future by Michael J. Fox, uh, which deals largely with his Parkinson's disease and other uh, health problems that he's had. It was an interesting book. It was not always an enjoyable book, just because poor Michael J. Fox, it's it's a hard life. Uh, Parkinson's is a horrible disease. Uh, listening to this book reminded me of a guy I went to church with when I was a kid who was an older man who had Parkinson's, and just a really, really kind, sweet guy. And just seeing how your body betrays you with that disease, it's it's... Just, it's very visceral to me still. Um, and that guy's been gone 25 or 30 years. Uh, but within that framework, it would be easy for it to get top-heavy. And Michael J. Fox really does manage to keep his perspective and, and tells some funny stories about being a dad, being a horrible golfer, and, and all of the things that, that 
you know, how, how Parkinson's changes it and how he still finds the tenacity to get up and keep fighting. And uh, You have always been a Michael J. Fox fan. I am, and, and that's another thing. It's, it's hard to see him struggle. And, and I will say, he read the audiobook himself, and I had to slow it down. I normally listen to my audiobook sped up. I couldn't do that with this because of the problems of the disease on his delivery. I needed to be able to hear him at normal speed to be able to be clear. Uh, but that gave it a candor and an honesty as well. And I can't say necessarily that I enjoyed it. I appreciated it uh, and was touched by his guts. Uh, so... That's it. That wraps us up. Yeah, no shared book, so nothing joint to talk about. But we have chosen a joint book for us to talk about in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've got a couple of other books planned coming up, so we should not have this issue again. Oh, no, so many good things I'm working on. All right, so the book that we're going to talk about next time is called The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. It's a book that I am um, two-thirds of the way done with. And then you'll pick up when mm-hmm. I finish it. It has been fascinating so far, and we can't wait to talk about it together yeah. and with all of you. Yeah. I actually picked up this book um, when I saw it on um, our friend Haley's Instagram. She um, is on Instagram at The Lazy Bookshelf. You should check her out if you have not yet for some fabulous book recommendations. And She um, pointed us to Kristen Dumais, uh, oh, yeah, Jesus she did. and John Wayne. She, put, she points us towards so many good she things. She does, she does. Um, So if you've read this book, heard of it, have questions about it, um, feel free to get in touch with us, paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, or you can get us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod and Twitter at paperbackreaderspod. Look forward to hearing from you. Hope everybody's doing well. Please.